And welcome back, footy fans, to another episode of Donnie's Disposals. I am your host, Coach Donnie Hess, here back with another podcast. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we covered the men's. Now we must cover the women's draft. And I have to say, joining me for another podcast this week, which I have to say, I genuinely appreciate it, from RookieMeCentral.com, the man, the myth, the legend that is Pete Williams. Pete, thank you for hopping on the podcast again. Thanks, Donny. Looking forward to another one. Yeah, it's, it doesn't seem that long ago we were chatting and it wasn't. But uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, getting stuck into the AFLW draft because, of course, uh, there was plenty to talk about out of that in the trade period, as we'll get to. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. And joining us also, one another fellow female footy nuffy from the Soaring to New Heights podcast, a podcast covering the AFLW Hawthorne Hawks team and another good friend of mine and fellow nuffy. When it comes to women's footy, Liam, Liam, thank you for hopping on. Has the spreadsheet stopped smoking? Barely. <laughs> um, the spreadsheet got a lot of workouts over the offseason, especially when the listings were going here, there, and everywhere. Trades were going here, there, and everywhere. And 11 club trade, which we'll get into later, which still gives me a headache. But um, no, I'm looking forward to chatting about this. It's nice to put my spreadsheets to good use and to chat to you guys makes it even better. It is. It is. I cannot believe it. I, I, I got this particular spreadsheet. Absolutely loved it. The work that Liam put in, I have to tip Don, tip my cap to him. It was absolutely incredible. So we'll start off since the signing trade happened before the draft. We'll start off with there a lot like the men's. I've got a couple of categories. I really would like to know what you think. Liam, we'll start with you off this just the sign and trade let's not cover the draft right now just the sign and trade who do you think was the biggest improver after the sign and trade period ended i think i've got two clubs i'll start with Fremantle. i think they really did some smart work they're getting michaela morrison back from inactive who i really rate but they're bringing in ash brazel gazzy gabby newton Ashley mccarthy they're bringing in three real quality players in positions where they really need them so those who know me know I talk a lot about how players fit. And I think what Fremantle did, yeah, they lost Roxy Rue, but other than that, they really they picked up really smartly in areas where they are in really real need of support. Um, they could do with some more scoring power. They were they ranked 17th in the competition for scoring. But if we're if we're gonna factor in the pre-signings as well, I think the biggest improver and the team that will improve the most next season by a considerable margin for me is Port Adelaide. Just and I'll let Pete go into them a bit more. Their pre-signings, Kirsty Lamb, essentially. When you go through it, Port Adelaide got Kirsty Lamb. I've actually got it written down somewhere here. They got Kirsty Lamb in pick 24 for pick 21 and Lily Johnson, who played two games for them this year. That was essentially the trade because the other picks involved were list spots they didn't have. So when Port Adelaide bring in three of the top 10 kids in the country, including probably the top two for nothing, they bring in Kirsty Lamb pretty much for a player who wasn't playing because the pick slide I may impact them in theory, but in practice, I think they got the same player they would or definitely should have taken at that second pick anyway. I, I think it's impossible to go past Port Adelaide, but if I'm looking just at the trades, I think Fremantle. All right. Pete, your thought process, your thoughts on this. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's probably looking at that angle, yeah, it's probably pretty obvious which way I would lean with um, Port Adelaide having the the number one spot for me. Um yeah, like the other element that we don't even think about is the fact that um, they picked up Matilda Schultz at the start of the year, which is another one of this age group. So you factor her in along with Piper Window. Um, obviously, that's draft. But, I mean, they've got that many of those top 10 talents that just walked in the door. Um, and then Kirsty Lamb on top, which is ridiculous that she could almost not be the major talking point of a trade period. But, like, just for her to be there as well, they've, like, they ticked a lot of boxes. Obviously, their midfield now is set for a very long time. Their forward line's got a fair bit of firepower. We knew that. Um, yeah, they did, obviously, address some defensive needs, but certainly a, a forward to centre. I think they can go by the whole. Um, we've kind of got... Uh, we, we, we win the ball enough that we don't need to worry about it getting to the defence if they can uh, do enough in that midfield. But... Aside from them, look, I'll sort of bring it up as well. I thought, obviously, Hawthorne did quite well, bringing in those um, uh, young guns, pre-listed like Port. You know, you, you, again, they weren't quite um, at the same level, but obviously Laura Stone was, so that's another high-quality player. 
Um, and, and both Vukic and McLaughlin are, are great players in their own right too. So you bring them in and then Western Sheriff of uh, a couple more experienced players, obviously, big benefits there. Um, Essen, I thought, did a pretty underrated job bringing in Gay, Keeney and, of course, Gaylor. They, they didn't have to give up too much, which was the major thing. I think we had to consider that. And obviously, Fremantle, as, as you said, they brought in some um, great quality players and I think they're going to move up the, uh, the ladder, hopefully, um, having established them. It'll just be a case of how they all gel together, but they've certainly got the quality there. Yeah, I'll, I'll sound like a broken record. I mean, it's very simple for me. It's two, it's two teams. It's Port Adelaide and it's Hawthorne, just because the the talent that they brought in combination. Like, I mean, with Hawthorne, you bring you bring in Liza West, you bring in you bring in Sheriff, and then you sign your your three pre signings. I think were absolutely incredible. They fit needs where you needed them. And Port Adelaide, like I said, if if you look at you're the, the rookie me central thing. I mean, one and two are both residing in Port Adelaide in Port Adelaide. And this is before the sign before the trade period even starts. So it's, it's hard not to argue. Yes. Port Adelaide took some hits. I mean, yes, Aaron Phillips walks away, but I mean, the treasure trove that Port Adelaide put there and they're going to be young and they're all going to grow up. It's scary to think how good Port Adelaide can be. If this team clicks, it is kind of scary to think about going further so all right we'll go to it now we'll start with you Pete. biggest letdown what's one team that you kind of looked and went a little little disappointed in what they did in the sign and trade period yeah the, the one for me is probably adelaide um i think that it, it's probably maybe a little harsh because a, a lot of the teams i didn't think did too badly but for me they obviously lost mckinnon didn't move up ahead of port and we obviously discussed off air that the port were going to make sure they didn't do that but Coming into the trade period, there were rumours about some of Adelaide's players looking for potential fresh starts. So I feel like they definitely had the uh, the chips, if you like, to be able to trade out and get a very high pick. Um, and then that forces Port Adelaide at the same time to have to come up with other scenarios to get a Kirsty Lamb or to try and get a bit um, more dangerous, if you like. I just felt that they conceded a little bit and that they kind of went, okay, cool, look, we're pretty good as we are and they are and they're going to continue to be a challenger and things like that. They didn't lose a great deal. They lost McKinnon, but um, they moved up their picks, which weren't too bad. Like they were able to get higher picks, which is great. But I felt like they could have been a little more proactive going against Port Adelaide when they knew the strength that Port Adelaide's draft hand um, was going to be. Uh, and so therefore the one like the one area they could have really gone hard was at the trade period to try and, I guess, make it difficult for Port. Um, I just felt they just didn't do it. Like they, they were able to get themselves in a better position draft-wise. But at the end of the day, I think I, I sort of echo the, the thoughts of Adelaide fans that the number one thing they should have tried to do outside of that mega trade that we'll discuss, but even before that, is try and get that first Adelaide selection because she, if anything, fits a, a need for them going forward, like someone with that kind of power and talent and just top-end ability. So... Um, for me, I think that's something they should have done. Um, obviously, it's not going to necessarily hurt them now, but uh, you know, down the track, obviously, Port's going to be a pretty strong side. So uh, it's it's just more about what wasn't done rather than what was done. Mm -hmm. So, Liam, your biggest uh, letdown? Yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone's a true letdown, and I definitely find again, Adelaide. Pete, as he acknowledged, is a little harsh on Adelaide because they're a really good team. Like sometimes, you know, Geelong the same didn't do a lot, but didn't need to do a lot. Uh, I think West Coast were a bit of a bit of a letdown as well, and relatively speaking, I think they they gave up a fair bit of talent. They drafted well. Uh, I like Wrench. I think if they had picked twenty one or something, that might have been the sweet spot, if you like, for a, a Kaylee Kavanagh, just because of the clubs that were around that range. But you have to take the picks you've got. So that's they wanted her, they got her. At the end of the day, you get your player. Uh, Jess Hosking, I think, is a pretty good delisted free agent. But yeah, I just think I just think that West Coast could have done a bit more. For me, because at the end of the day, I looked down at my list. They ranked 15th for points conceded and 18th for points four. Uh, they've clearly got some stuff to work on in terms of talent. And I, I just wouldn't have minded seeing them, seeing, do, seeing them do a little bit more. That being said, if future picks were tradable, I'd imagine, oh, actually, I think a lot of clubs would have got involved in that. We might talk about that later, but. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be, it'll be very interesting. I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring, and I'm going to throw a little bit more because the reason that I'm going to say they're let down is because I think they were a little too active, and I think they they really changed their team too much, and that was Gold Coast. 
I think Gold Coast did a little bit too much. I mean, Lauren Aaron, Lauren Aaron's, Giselle Smith, Ali Drennan, Kalinda Howarth, Bess Keeney all walk out the door. Yes, Kalinda Howarth had an ACL tear, so she really didn't do much this year. But those were some really good players on a team that made finals this year. So again, I don't I don't know one hundred percent on how many of those moves were career wise, family wise, all 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 sorts of of reasons why, but. This there was so much movement at Gold Coast. I worry this upsets the apple cart for a team that made finals and I think has a lot of really good things going for them. So now they have to rebuild it again. So I'm a little I'm a little worried this upset Gold Coast run because they made finals this year. Did they underperform against Sydney? Some people would say yes, but I thought they were a little too active. They were they were my letdown because I think they changed too much for a team that made finals the year before. So we'll go to this one. This is my favorite strangest move what was one move that happened that you were it kind of made you scratch your head liam we'll start with you i mean most of the moves are defensible in some way a lot of them make sense but i'm probably going to say lily johnson to melbourne because if she's looking for more opportunity i don't really think going from being a defender at a team that can't stop a nosebleed to melbourne who granted need defenders i don't really think that's a perfect scenario in terms of opportunity i can see if she wants to play forward um, Lily, I'll politely tell you that's probably not going to happen because Melbourne's forward line with Zanka, Harris, Bannon, Hoare, Pisano and the Macken sisters should probably be illegal. Um, that's like turning up to an arm wrestling competition with a nuclear bomb. But um, they are... Yeah, that's the one that kind of stumps me a bit because she played two games for what I did and was a, a fringe player at most. And I just... It doesn't quite make sense to me going to Melbourne from Port Adelaide as opposed when you can't get an opportunity as opposed to some other clubs who might be a bit more readily able to provide one. Very true. Pete, what's one and one move that kind of baffled you a little bit? So it's it's a bit of an obscure one, and that's what I quite like um with these kind of uh questions. Uh it was Rem Karras going to St Kilda for 52, which I thought was just interesting purely for the fact of it's not like the end of the world. But it was like they picked her up, obviously, uh, mid-season for the injury replacement. She filled a need because, obviously, Fleur Davis and, and things, they were limited from that perspective. Um, and I think it was more uh, her just getting traded was kind of like a bit of a, oh, that's a bit straight. Like, it was out of the box, a bit strange. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't something that I sort of see coming. It's obviously not going to do um, a great deal of damage and, and whatnot. And it's a great fit for St Kilda, you know, obviously – uh going forward but like at the end of the day um it was just a bit bizarre from gws's end and obviously fleur davis is a great player and is going to be their number one ruck but i mean yeah it was more just really puzzling they picked her up mid-season injury replacement and then um moved on now it could well be you know she's hoped to go back to victoria and that was fine um but yeah it was just one that um i guess came out of the box that i wasn't expecting Mm-hmm. All right. I've, I've actually got two. I've actually got two. One that hit one hit a little closer to home than I wanted it to. And, and one that I'm still scratching my head on. And that's Carlton getting Celine Moody because Jess Good and Bree Moody are already there. How are they going to rotate these three? Because with a lot of teams nowadays, you're starting to see the speed of ball start to start to really infiltrate. And when you've got three talls with Jess Good, Bree Moody, and now Celine Moody, where is it going to go? Is there any talk of maybe Celine Moody going back? I'd be I'd be fascinated to see how Carlton plan on using the, the how they plan on using Celine Moody because I just don't see a fit there, and it doesn't make sense to to shove her into this lineup and take away maybe a speedier small forward. And then the other one that threw me off just a little bit, and and again, maybe I'm not sure why. And that was Alicia Newman being moved over from across town the other way from Sydney to GWS. This one surprised me a little bit. I I, I didn't see this one coming. I thought Sydney was going to be rather relatively quiet in the trade period. Uh, so for them to pick up a couple of trade, pick up a couple of trades and then move Newey over to GWS was a little bit of a surprise to me. Again, I'm not going to dive into what could and could be. I have no idea, honestly. But that one surprised me a little bit because I thought Alicia Newman did do, a, I thought, did do a lot of good things for a, a Sydney Swans team that I think has a lot of growth still to come. So we, we've we've kind of touched it a couple of times, but we've got to discuss it. And that is the mega trade. 
11 teams all got together on the last day of trading and put together a bohemian, a behemoth of a trade right off the bat. Just before we even break this down, Liam, when you saw this, and I know you said this, this broke your spreadsheet because of everything that happened. I mean, when you first saw this, what was your first thoughts? Because for me, my jaw went through the floor. 11 teams got together and somehow through puzzle pieces figured out a trade. The thoughts that went through my head, not that I, I was at work, so I definitely didn't say them out loud. Uh, I can't repeat on a family friendly podcast, <laughs> but um, honestly, just what in the world is going on and one very clever work uh two how is this going to be pulled off from even just a like paperwork and legal perspective just there's so many different things that need to get signed so much legal and paperwork admin and perhaps i don't know maybe because i'll be a lawyer in two months that was part of why my brain went there but just how are they going to pull this off with all the admin side of it as much mm -hmm. as anything else like all the trades were going to happen and They've just decided instead of having a whole bunch of trades that are contingent on each other, for the purpose of the deadlines in a few hours, let's just do it all in one go. So, yeah, I'm not going to repeat what my exact thoughts were, but just how are you going to pull this off and how is this going to happen kind of thing, just confusion. And then I spent about, it took me about 45 minutes to track it all and code it all into my spreadsheet as well. <laughs> all right, Pete, your thought, like I said, my jaw hit the floor when I saw this. Your your first initial thoughts when you saw this 11-team trade. Well, my initial thoughts were for the draft order and trying to predict what was going to happen because I'd kind of had a good idea and then this dropped or was about to drop and I was basically going, well, I might as well get ready to scratch everything I've, I've come up with so far. Um, I think the biggest watch was me when I saw Adelaide and Port were involved, as I said, like that was definitely something I wanted to see. Obviously Collingwood being involved, I was keen to see what they were going to do. I figured uh, Ash Brazel was in that trade. So that was always going to be uh, a watch for them. Um, but also the fact that I think how it was just going to physically happen. Obviously this is a case of where an AFL representative is in the room and just putting everything down and everyone's triple and quadruple checking every little element of it going, yep, that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted. And you, cause you don't want a club to come away later and go, Oh, hang on. No, we said we wanted this pick as well. And um, they obviously would have isolated what each club wanted and they would have had their own individual discussions. And then the, for example, AFL representative might've been like, well, this club needs this to facilitate this deal and you're, got this extra one, would you be willing to do this? And so I'd say I sort of picture it like there's probably someone running between the individual little groups that are chatting saying, oh, yep, we've got something we can offer from this group. We've got something we can give here and all this. What do you need? And and, and that's how I sort of picture it all went down. But it was definitely, a, yeah, it was something that I was like, oh, this is going to be difficult to uh, finish up, up on and try and work out what what to do from here. But um, it's certainly exciting. You basically never think it's ever going to happen. So uh, it was a big one. I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember I remember getting this and, and sending it to a few of my American friends going, check this out. I said a team in the AFLW in Australia pulled off an 11-team trade. And just the utter astonishment on their face. Like, I, I literally, I pulled up the entire list. There's the... Literally, I can almost, it's almost easier to name the teams that weren't involved that, that were the, the Western Bulldogs, Gold Coast, Port Adelaide, Adelaide, Richmond, Melbourne, Essendon, West Coast, Fremantle, Collingwood, Brisbane. Ah, oh, okay. <laughs> we're all part of this trade. So there were only seven teams in the competition. I'm not going to try to go through each and every single one of these individual pieces. I'll just break it down like this. And one last question for you about this mega trade. I mean, I hear this all the time. Who won the trade? And and it's it's interesting because I think there's a couple of winners personally. So I, I'd be fascinating, Pete. Who do you think came out of this the best when it came to when it came to what they got from what they gave up? Oh, well, I think Port Adelaide's a, a pretty um, evident one because they gave up picks on paper that might look good, but they still stick with that first pick. So. Port Adelaide, obviously, as, as Liam brought up before, bring in Kirsty Lamb for Lily Johnson, obviously a couple of little pick switches there, but they it didn't affect their draft hand. So you can almost just wipe away the picks 
and say Lily Johnson for, for Kirsty Lamb. And obviously Johnson's got some talent, but Lamb's on a, another level. Like, you know, she's all Australian quality. So that's just outstanding for Port Adelaide. I thought they were absolutely brilliant. Um, and then uh, again, there's there's probably Essendon as well, bringing Matty Gay, only dropping the sort of six spots. They dropped another four later on, but I thought that was really handy. That's an immediate best 21 player. So I thought they did pretty well. I was pretty impressed with that. Um, and then also, I like, I guess it's sort of hard to judge because I, whether or not, and this is the thing, Western Bulldogs is a team that I absolutely love what they did and I absolutely hate what they did and it really annoys me because I love that they've been able to rejuvenate with some absolute elite picks, but also the quality they lost was enormous. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of, I keep tossing up between they've won, they've done brilliantly and they've done horribly and it's just like maybe it's just somewhere in between, but um, they're obviously worth bringing up just because of the sheer volume of players and picks involved. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Liam. Your thoughts? Is there a winner? Uh, well, Port, Port Adelaide, as we've said, you know, they essentially got Lamb pretty much for free. So, uh, I do actually have a, contra- a opinion, which I think might be a bit controversial about the Bulldogs. Not so much for now, but for the end of the season, which I might mention later about a potential player who might be on the move, just given the quality of next year's draft and where the dogs list is heading. Um, you two have probably, I think I might've mentioned it to Pete. You guys have probably worked out what name I'm thinking about, <laughs> but um, just cause next year's draft is so good and the dogs are probably going to be heading in a different direction to where that player may want to go. Yeah. But, uh, that, that I do know who you're talking about and that definitely will be very, uh, look, I'm not a dogs fan, so I'm not, uh, neither am I, really. but, yeah. So <laughs> I, I reckon it'll be controversial for dogs fans. Um, and, but the fact that we're bringing up like this, they've probably worked out who it is, but yeah. Well, I'll play, I'll play, I'll play, I'll play stupid. What, what player are you guys, what player are you guys running in the back of your head? I'm hoping it's not Ellie Blackburn, but who knows? It potentially could be. Yeah. It's Ellie Blackburn. I wouldn't be shocked if the dogs, look, the approach might be Ellie, we don't want you to go, but if you would like to go chase an opportunity, we won't stand in your way. Give us a couple of clubs and we'll see what deal we can get. If you don't want to go, nothing more is said. I think that's how they'd probably manage it, mm-hmm. or how they should manage it. But um, yeah, I think that might ha- just because next year's draft is ridiculous as well. But yeah, it's hard. You can't go past Port Adelaide in this. Yes, they gave up effectively the second all in all. They gave up having the second South Australian pick, which in, on paper would be Brooke Boilo. But again, I think they actually got a player who Boilo may be a better talent, but the player they got is certainly a better fit because mm-hmm. again. Backline can't stop a nosebleed at the moment. So, yeah, unfortunately. So, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm with, I'm with you too. I think that uh, Port Adelaide. I mean, just, just the fact that, I mean, with the pick that they end up using it on and the player they got, it's hard not to argue that. It, I think it really, this will one of those that it, it'll depend on how the young talent that the Western Bulldogs drafted with four, six, and eleven work out. If they work out and the Bulldogs shoot up the shoot up the ladder and the, and these youngsters fit the way they could, they're going to look like geniuses. Yes, they lose Lamb, Lynch, and Newton all in one foul shoot shoot, but four, six, eleven are all really good players, and you get the number one overall pick already. Again, the the doggies could essentially trade out old for new. It, it'll it'll really be fun with that one. But I mean, like I said, Port Adelaide just with what they got. It's hard not to argue that they they came out absolutely smelling like roses on this before. So unlike the men's draft, we had the pre-signing period. We've already kind of discussed this a little we've already kind of discussed this a little bit, but I want to kind of just I, I want to kind of just bring it up just a little bit. We'll start off, Liam, with you. Three players that Hawthorne bring in over the over the pre-signing period. And I could tell on the podcast that you had with Pete with the Soaring to New Heights that you were a very happy camper even before the draft happened, which you're going to be even more happy with what you brought home in the draft the way things turned out. So your thoughts on your three new sign-ins because, I mean, incredible talents and I think fit in positions you needed help at. Yeah, uh, any chance we get to talk about the Hawks, I'll take if we want to talk about them later on. I'm more than happy to do that for as long as you guys want. If not, there are Soaring to New Heights episodes people can go check out as well. But um. The three pre-signings, Laura Stone, I watched her play for Box Hill VFLW on the 6th of May last year. And as soon as that game, I was doing match recaps after every game. It was, remember the name, I don't care if we tank, draft Tampa, I don't care what we do. We don't have the quickest midfield outside of Jazz Fleming and Charlotte Biscarin. We've got a very small midfield. 
we need someone of that caliber and the fact that we essentially had AFL sanctioned draft tampering to get her. Um, very happy with that acquisition. We, we definitely need speed in the midfield. We need bigger bodies in the midfield. Uh, so Laura Stone, I was over the moon under the cells. How happy I was with that pre-signing. Uh, but I don't think we trade pick five if Laura Stone is available. And I think it's touch and go that she's even on the board at pick five and probably only as if she nominates Vic in my opinion. Uh, Hayley McLaughlin and Jess Vukic are probably, having discussed with Pete and all that, probably both around our second pick. McLaughlin's probably touch and go for what our second pick would have been in the mid-20s. Vukic probably slightly later, but both, again, dire need. We need wingers. You know, Akesh McQuart has retired. Caitlin Ashmore turns 33 in November this year. So we just need more bodies on the wing. Casey Sheriff's won. But again, you know, you need that young talent to come through. And especially because, I mean, there's no way around it. Younger talent is going to pretty quickly start forcing the older talent out of this competition earlier than people will down the line because they've just had more opportunities to develop. You know, Case Sheriff's a good player, very good player. She's probably with us for a few years at least. But Hayley McLaughlin, to Hawks fans who don't know about her, I basically describe her as a smaller version of Caitlin Ashmore. Um, very high production player from what I've seen, but she just seems to find the football. She runs to space incredibly well, and she, probably different to the others, she uses the ball really well. So McLaughlin, is the, she was the one we announced third. She's a great pickup as well. And then Jess Vukic is a ruck forward who might be thrown around other key positions as well. Slightly undersized ruck. She's incredibly strong for her age, like just that strength she has. She, you can't shift her off the spot, and she can and will shift you off your spot. Um, she plants the foot, drops, drops the hip and places the ball perfectly. So her ruck work is exquisite. And she can also go forward. She needs to develop that, but she, you know, she can do it. And yeah, I was very happy with three pre-signings because the Hawks have lost a lot of size. We need wingers and we need a combination of size and pace in the middle. Check, check, check. Yeah, definitely. And then we jump to it, like we said, that we go over to the Port Adelaide, Port Adelaide pre-signings. Like I said, uh, Lauren Young, the number one overall, number one overall in the entire com- in in this particular age bracket. Shanae Goody, number two, and then Molly Brooksby, who I I think is surprisingly going to be under talked, but I think could surprise some people with how good she could be. Just really quick, Pete, with the, these three that Port Adelaide got. I mean, we as we kind of said, Piper Window and 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 Christy Lamb come in, but these three that they bring in in the pre-signings, I mean, if I'm a Port Adelaide person, I'm rubbing my hands together. I'm super excited to see these incredibly talented young women joining the joining them right. at Alberton. Well, I, I think if you're a Port Adelaide person and you don't like what you got over the off-season, there's no pleasing you because this is <laughs> elite. Like, this is as good as it gets. Like, to be honest, like, you don't get any better than this. You picked up the best player, the second best player, um, I agree. I, I won't be too surprised when Brooksby um, does incredibly well because I love the way she goes about it. Absolute elite user by foot and both sides of her body too, which is really incredible. She's a fantastic utility, has played midfield where she generally likes to play, but she's also played out um, on a wing, on flanks, both ends. She's just going to be sensational and she's going to have zero pressure thanks to the other players, which is fantastic. Um, obviously, we know, um, as I said earlier, the other pre-listing, which was at the start of the year, was Matilda Schultz, who's another one who was in that whole uh, top 10 range, so potentially top five. So they've ended up with, you know, so many players in that top 10 that, um, yeah, like, I mean, it, there's very rarely a correct answer to who won the draft, but it's like you, you'd have a hard case arguing it wasn't them. Um, yeah. So I definitely think that, they fit straight into all their squad. And to be honest, they're just building the South Australian team that's winning all the championships. So mm-hmm. um, they're going to be hard to beat in a few years. And um, at the same time, it puts pressure on on like Lauren Arnell and the coaching staff and all that. Like obviously the first year, you've got to get them to gel. But within a few years, that, that talent is like nearly unmatched, like until other teams are able to build that up. Like, so if they can get it all to work, they're going to be a very scary team. Definitely. Lauren Young, especially, I, I think she makes the All-Australian squad this year, in my opinion. She's that good. And to be honest, even with Kirsty Lamb, I think she walks in as their best player. So I think Port have done pretty well. 
It'll, def it'll definitely be interesting to see. I, I'll, I'll be interested to see how Lauren Arnell and Port Adelaide use her. Is she going to be a full forward or is she going to be a half forward that moves up the field? Or, or are they going to try to use her potentially on the wing just, just to get her a little bit closer to the footy? Because it, it'll be really interesting. Again, they're going to be young next year, so I don't think we're going to see them rock it up and be a, a finals contender next year. I think it's going to take a little bit of time and maturity for all of these young for all of these young women. But their skill and talent, if they can get going and find that niche and, and that gel, they, they could be scary, very, very scary. So, and I don't, Liam has told me of his, of his distaste for the other team that one of the other teams from Melbourne that had a pre-signing and that is Essendon and that is Essendon with what is it Amy Gaylor and then Sydney with one with Holly Cooper. So we'll, we'll kind of combine those two together real quick, Pete, your thoughts on both these signings, because as a Swans fan, I love a local talent, Holly Cooper. She comes in, she brings some depth to the midfield, but I think can maybe even slot into that spot opened up by Alicia Newman and, and, and let her get some experience at the half forward line and be a rotation through the middle if necessary. Yeah, I think that's exactly what they'll do uh, with Holly. She's one of those players that, at the start of the year, she wasn't really on many radars. And it was just like she was that player that kept popping up every time I sort of would watch her. She'd just have a little note here and there, just going, geez, this is one to watch. And then at the end of the day, you sort of just build up those notes and go, yeah, she's put a pretty strong body of work. Um, obviously, uh, a little underrated purely because of um, less exposure compared to some of the others um, playing in AFL Sydney and whatnot. But certainly each time she went out there, she showed some promising signs. Um, she's obviously an elite athlete. She, she's the best athlete in the draft as an overall thing. Um, just the way she dominated all the all the tests, really, at the um, the draft combine. She's just absolutely phenomenal um, running, uh, you know, jumping, everything. So she's someone I think will come straight in um, or at least certainly push for that spot. I think she's got a lot of talent going forward. She's not the, the full package just yet in terms of her, um, I guess, end goal but certainly in terms of her upside like she loves to run and she can play inside outside half forward so got a bit of potential there and um if we move to amy gaylor as well she's just that explosive left footer who loves the contested ball really competitive uh you know thrives at the coal face she's played half back as a bottom major she moved into the midfield this year more permanently and um there was some fears she'd done her acl earlier in the year but Luckily for her, after, well, essentially going in for surgery on that ACL, they discovered it wasn't, in fact, torn. So she was able to come back and, and play. So that was very fortunate for her. Um, and she was able to play out the season really well. So, um, again, a few little things she can tidy up on, but she's still around that top 20 mark and certainly has a lot of talent. So um, I think she fits that bit of uh, need for them, adds a bit more pace to the midfield at Essendon. So, um, yeah, I think she'll be a pretty handy player uh, long-term. So, Definitely a couple of bonuses for both those clubs. Mm -hmm, definitely for sure. So that that's going to end sign and trade period. We will jump to the draft. And I have to say, I was psycho and decided to get up to watch this draft because as, as Liam and I did a mock draft, there were so many different contingencies and the way things could go. And, and as we kind of discussed each team is going to rate different players differently. And, and so I was very fascinated. And then, the mega trade kind of threw everything all to whack, as Pete said earlier in the draft. So we go into it. I mean, I had to admit this, this was a lot of fun to watch because there were so many different twists and turns that potentially could happen. So we'll start with you, Liam. I mean, you and I both did this, this mock draft. We didn't do too bad. I mean, we are a couple of them that we totally and completely whiffed on, but that happens in mock draft situations. Your thoughts on just the first round in the draft overall, because I think, some teams are walking away very, very happy with a few players that they were able to select. Uh, as a Hawthorne supporter, first of all, I'm just gonna, I'll quickly mention the round round one, getting Michaela Williamson at that. Um, I had triple zero dialed up on the phone, almost, to be honest. Like, that just felt, even though if you were listing purely on fit, she's probably not top of the list, but on talent there, you cannot pass it up. And then getting Sophie Butterworth at 45 as well, that was a dream fit, and... When we picked Butterworth, those who are on the Soaring to New Heights space that I was running on Twitter, no, I was like screaming with elation quite literally when we drafted Sophie Butterworth. But, but Williamson, just an incredible talent, absolute bargain at 17. I was flabbergasted when Richmond didn't take her. 
at 13 because Richmond had obviously zeroed in on Isabel Bacon. She was clearly their player because, I mean, her and Williamson are similar-ish stylistically, so that was clearly the fit they wanted. I, I had them taking Kira Wiley, actually, in a mock I did, but she was off the board, which I know surprised some people that she went that high to, to the Saints. But, yeah, the Hawks, obviously, elated with their value. Melbourne would be, would be absolutely elated to get Alicia Pisano at five as well because, you know, the dogs, I was a bit perplexed with them passing on her. Obviously, I was aware it was possible, but a bit surprised they passed on Pisano at four because she can hit the scoreboard like very few other players. And again, that Melbourne forward line is utterly terrifying because who like that's the one team that really doesn't need defenders because they they can just bet on themselves on themselves to outscore you. But um like not not many teams will keep up with that forward line. They just can't keep up with the scoring. Uh the dogs, it's really hard to say they're losers. They've they've swung on a couple of players which you might call like Butterfin, for example, you might call her a little bit of a fly because she hasn't played a lot of footy. But the talent that the dogs have picked up is undeniable. Just how it clicks and how it develops is there are certainly questions there, but I, I don't think the dogs will mind being bad next year just quietly with the draft. Um and yeah, they're they're probably the main winners, Melbourne, the hook. And obviously you can't mention the first special the first round, you can't not mention Port Adelaide getting Piper Window about 17 picks after she should have gone. So <laughs> all right, Pete, your Pete, your thoughts on this draft. Cause again, this was very unpredictable because again, everybody's draft board was just a little bit different. Yeah, no, so the first five went as I expected, and then it was always going to be pick six that um, was going to be the tricky one with the Bulldogs, that third selection, um, because that was going to be the pick where if Williamson was going to go, it was probably going to be there. Um, And if Williamson didn't go there, then it was pretty much going to be potentially Melbourne or then drop down to as far as Hawthorne. So that's why when it came to the Bulldogs and they went Grig. I sort of had this inkling that Williamson was going to start dropping just purely because of the way clubs had focused in on certain players and things like that. Uh, and then obviously Melbourne picking up Wotherspoon was a bit of a, well, a bit, a lot of a surprise. Like obviously there was those sort of chat during the day. Um, we were sort of expecting that a bit later. Once those kind of rumors come up, you think, oh yeah, they'll take them later in the draft or something. So when she went up there, I think that was the moment that I went, oh, okay, Williamson's getting all the way to Hawthorne. And then, of course, I did think of Liam because he did mention how happy he'd be if she could get there, um, which is why I said when I was on the podcast with him um, that there was a chance um, because yeah. I knew that if Melbourne overlooked him along with the Bulldogs, that she was probably going to get there. So um, that was probably the most interesting aspect of that first round. As we knew, Piper Window was always going to go there. I think if Grigg had slipped to Collingwood, that's where Collingwood would have gone. Um the thing that was sort of tricking me up with the uh, mock draft was the fact that um, I knew that um, Collingwood with their second pick was going to take a bit of a uh, surprise player, which they did in obviously Cronin and everything like that. So that sort of messed me around for a while, wondering which player they were going to go through. Cause the risk is you don't want to pick a player that then doesn't get drafted and things like that. So um, it was definitely quite a, a bit of a hard one to predict um, but one thing I was really happy about was the fact that uh, your Swans took Sarah Grundon because there was every chance that she didn't get picked up if she didn't get picked there, which was the interesting thing. And again, shows the uh, level of difference because I actually did um, make a few calls on the day of the draft. And I said, look, I get the feeling Grundon's either going to go first round or not at all. And um, like, what, what are the inklings? And they, there was a bit of interest in her in the lead up to that. Um, so I was kind of umming and ahhing about her. I, I was hoping she was going to go because I, I definitely rate her as a player. Um, so I was glad she did get picked up. But it shows the, the difference where some clubs loved some and some that just didn't rate others. And there's, there's, a, there's a lot of them in this example where um, some clubs would rate them as first round as easy and then others that just do not rate them at all. And you, you could name over 10 players that fit that category. So it was definitely a really even and um, preferential, if you like, draft. Yeah, a lot of clubs clearly drafted for fit mm-hmm. as well. And the other example I'll give, maybe a slightly higher echelon talent, but a lot of clubs wouldn't have taken her, Kaylee Kavanagh, because she's an awkward fit at a lot of clubs, just the style of player she is. She's very good at what she does, but I think that's another name who, and I mean, yeah, just an incredible talent, but a lot of clubs would have said, you're a really good player, you just don't. Given that 70% of our list plays every week, 
we can't take that on as a fit. So I think West Coast is a perfect fit for it. Yeah, especially with the, with the move of McCarthy over to Fremantle. I, I think, honestly, like, I'll, I'll go here. I think Jess, Jess Rents and Kaylee Cavanaugh were absolutely perfect picks. And, and, and I want to go I want to go here, Pete. I mean, how, how happy do these two young ladies have to be? Because, I mean, they're getting – they get picked up by West Coast. They get to go out to Perth. But they're coached by Daisy Pierce, which, I, I mean I, – I, several of these girls probably have looked up to Daisy as they were, as they were growing up. So, I mean, do you think this is two really good pickups for the West coast Eagles? Because honestly, I think besides the Western Bulldogs getting the Christy, the double hyphen, Christy Lee, Western Turner, Brooke Barwick, Elaine Grigg, and then grabbing Chloe Butterfoot. I think West coast did a really good job in the, in, in, in the first round, getting a couple of players that I think they really, really need with some of their lack of depth in the center mid. Yeah, no, I, I think West Coast fans are pretty happy with those selections. They were kind of the ones that a, a lot of people had, had thought was going to go that way. Like um, Kavanaugh was one of those players being a West Coast supporter too, which is just a bit of a unique one, um, that she was going to head out there, like nation, nominate nationally. As, as you said, she fits a need. There's someone who can always have those extra inside mids helping out because it frees up a lot of their players. Because a lot of their midfielders are better utilised as outside players. And um, I think that really helps them. So um, for me, I think they're, they're both great pickups. And, and Kaylee's someone who just had a remarkable year. And at the end of the day, you just go, look, you, you played too well to turn down. And, and that's what it was. Um, obviously, there's deficiencies there. But um, you look at her strengths, and she's certainly incredibly clean, strong, everything they need in that midfield. So that's a fantastic effort from them. Um, and Ranch, obviously, look, she's a great player, higher than what you might have suggested going into the draft. But in the days leading up, it was pretty evident West Coast were going to go that way. Um, it was tossing up between her and Barwick. So um, for West Coast to be able to get her, that's, again, it fits a need. She's happy to go over there. She's really relaxed country kid. She was always going to have to move. So that, uh, you know, puts an extra tick to her name and, um, she originally wasn't going to come to the draft, um, which was the interesting thing. And it was a call from Daisy that um, convinced her to come that said, look, we're going to need you there because I need to sort of present the jumper to you and, and all that the day before. So that's what got her there because otherwise she was a um, real relaxed country kid that was just hoping to enjoy the moment with her family at home. And yeah, Daisy Pierce sort of has that power on people that says, I'd really like you to be there. And um, yeah, and it created one of the best moments of the draft, really, when she was picked up. So that was a fantastic moment. So even though she knew it was going to happen, it was still uh, a great moment. And certainly from a, a West Coast perspective, getting Pierce as coach is a huge benefit. And then being able to bring in those two players that can help try and build them back up the ladder is is really important. Yeah, definitely, for sure, on that one. So, I mean... I think I think the thing that shocked me a little bit, and, and we've we've kind of discussed, and I know I've had some discussions with some people, but I mean, was there a lot of shock and awe that Alicia Pisano fell past the Western Bulldogs to the Melbourne to to Melbourne? Because I mean, as Liam has as professed his love for Alicia Pisano, I mean this this young lady is an absolute gold machine, and she just joined probably the most dangerous offensive team in the entire competition. She's going to fit just like a glove. I mean, how does the Western Bulldogs let her get away? Well, I, I did warn Liam that in advance when I spoke to him on the podcast. I said, just be aware, Melbourne are going to end up with Pisano more than likely. So I think there was a little bit of a warning there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't say I wasn't expecting it. I just, in good conscience, couldn't mock her going past five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, she's, um, look, I, I saw that when I heard that was going to happen. Um, I, I'm always happy for people to get drafted, but I just looked at that, did the math and went, no, nah, that's just not fair. They, they shouldn't, <laughs> they shouldn't be allowed. Like there should be like an overrule where you look at that forward line and go, no, come on. <laughs> like, like they've got the two leading goal kickers in the competition. Um, and then they just bring in essentially the best goal kicker at junior level, who will probably be one of the leading goal kickers in the competition once she's able to fit in and, and do all that. Like, that's just crazy. Um, with the great with get Harris and the Mackin sisters and Alyssa Bannon, just yep. again, oh, it's okay. a bomb at an arm wrestling competition. Just crazy. Their fifth, their fifth best forward type thing is as good as some clubs' best forwards or second best forwards. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy. 
Yeah, I just I I literally I as I was watching I was watching that draft and I was just like when Brooke Bar when they took Brooke Barwick I sat there and went Melbourne should be sending a gift to the Western Bulldogs because they just literally got an absolute absolute gift on that one so so I know Melbourne would have been sprinting to hand in that ticket whatever they had to hand in but and I was perplexed as well with the dogs taking Barwick at four because I think I think Melbourne would have left Barwick I don't not saying Barwick's not a good player. Mel Barwick just wouldn't have been a great fit at Melbourne who have a lot of small midfielders already. I, I think that's what a lot of clubs thought, that if the dogs were willing to let Barwick drop to the next selection and take Pisano, then they would have got both of them. And yeah. that, that was the thing. And that's where the whole Melbourne Williamson thing came in, that they were potentially going to take Williamson there if they were there, if that was available. Um, they just couldn't drop uh, Wotherspoon any uh, further, obviously, that's the only reason they took it there. So that was one of those things that um, they would have probably taken Williamson had that been a, a scenario. But um, the dogs obviously just went off their list, and so many clubs did that. They went off their preferred list, and that's great. And I think Barwick's easy to be forgotten because she didn't play this year. But in terms of her potential and ability, she's as well-rounded as any player in the draft, realistically, like defensively, offensively. She doesn't have many weaknesses. So I think that's the other thing, aside from obviously being short, um, everything else, she ticks boxes. So I think she'll be a great player. I do think, though, the ones the dogs picked up aren't going to be, like, impacting immediately. You look at Port and you go, a few of those I expect to be impacting immediately um, because they've played a lot of senior footy, where with the dogs, a lot of them are long-termers. Like, Weston Turner will be a long-termer. Butterfin will be a long-termer. you know, Barwick coming back from her knee will gradually be developed in. Grig is probably the most ready-made out of the lot because she's played a lot of senior footy. Um, but again, she's still slight, you know, slight and will probably play a bit more outside and probably small forward realistically. So they're not like ready-made. And that's why I don't think this season's going to be a, a, a good one, if you like, for the dogs. But um, look, they were still able to bring in, you know, four quality players. So they can't be unhappy with that. Definitely. Hey, look, this season might be an all-time tankathon. The dogs are just getting ahead of the queue. Oh, jeez. The the, the the shots are being fired for sure. Hey, so, I so. think a lot of clubs will be tanking in the second half of the year, and it's not a bad strategy. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't I don't like people saying that because I don't think any I don't think if you ask any of these players on any of these lists that they're I'm not, intentionally I'm not, tanking. I'm not accusing the players to be very clear. I'm not I would never accuse a player of not giving their best. I've I never know. I just I just I, I think a lot of clubs might a lot of clubs, not players, might be interested in getting higher up, especially in the second round when the talent starts to drop off a bit and True, but the again, it, it's one of those where I, if I'm a player, I look at my coach and tell me if you if you're more worried about getting an 18 year old kid, you can bugger off. If that's I've I've I hear it all the time over here, and I'm sorry, a veteran on a team does not give two flying stuffs about the 18 year old kid, no matter how talented they are, they don't care because all they're doing is another person to fight them for their paycheck. So I I understand what you're talking about, and again, super talented, and I love getting these really young talented players in. But I think it's one of those. It does not. It, I'm. I. I don't look at it and, and think that it's going to affect anything. I just if you if you're going to be a bottom level team, you're going to get some good picks. It's just the way it goes out. So, Pete, we'll go to this. You know, this is one of my favorite questions. We'll, we'll start with the second round, but I want to take Brooke Bolu off the list just because. I mean, she should not be a second round pick. She just shouldn't. But she was just because of her being SA. In the second round, who's a player in the second round you could see maybe popping up and being a starter for round one next year for their club? Um, yeah, so like from from being a starter, like the one that jumps off the page for me if she's fit is um, Ella Slocum, who mm-hmm. um, the fact that she was there is just insulting, um, really. Like the fact that North were able to get her at that selection is just absolutely mind-boggling because – uh, the season she had is ridiculous. She's absolutely explosive. Um, when she's up and about and she's fit and she's got that um, confidence, she's a great user of the ball. She ticks so many boxes. And they pretty much said as much. They weren't expecting her to be there. So I think she's going to be one that can um, basically roll straight into a um, team. I know North are very strong, but she's capable of playing forward. And I, I think she's someone who um, will definitely compete for that spot uh, early on. 
Um, as will Stubbs, who, who went with her as well. She's she's more than capable, but I definitely think it's more her. Um, I think Chloe Adams will give it a good shake at Essendon. I think she's going to be one that'll start there. And depending on what's happening with Georgie Cleaver uh, and a netball, West Coast clearly there's a spot for her that she can slot straight into. So I think she's another one. And um, so like there's a there's a few there that I think can immediately start. Uh, a few that are coming off ACLs or did ACLs a season ago. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. But um, yeah, I, I definitely think there are a few that will um, push for their round one spot. That'll def- and it'll definitely be interesting, but I'm, I'm, I'm always interested on that. So I know Liam has already had his fun when it comes to his club. So I'll, so I'll ask this, as you kind of said, you were super happy for Sarah Grundin to, to, to go for that pick there at 16 for, for the Sydney Swans. And then at 33, they pick up Laura Hausinger what are the Swans getting in, in these two players? Because I, I, I know I saw Liam's mock draft and it, it, it really got perked, perked my ears up. So I had to look at Sarah Grundon and I was thoroughly impressed with what I liked it to the point where when I did my mock draft, I also took her for in that particular pick. If a particular player that I probably knew wasn't going to make it there, but had some fun with it. Uh, so what, what are the Swans getting in these two players? Yeah, so Sarah Grundon's one that was identified early in the season. Uh, she was coming back after playing local footy. Initially on the Jets list a couple of years ago, um, didn't get a game. So moved over to Calder after a good local season uh, and pretty much hit the ground running, kicked quite a few goals in the opening few rounds. And I think the thing that stands out about her is her decision-making with ball in hand. And she um, just her vision is probably one of the best going around from this draft crop. Like she's able to hit those 45 kicks and, and just spot loose targets inside 50. So she's definitely that half forward who can um, do incredibly well uh, and just be able to add scoreboard pressure, even if it's not off her own boot, but setting up others. So she's someone who you want the ball in her hands when she's going forward and, and delivering to leading targets. She's someone who will definitely help that. And she's one of those players that, again, like some clubs absolutely loved her and other clubs not so much, but I, I was certainly in the camp of enjoying what she did and, um, everything like that. Like she's definitely a really skillful player, really talented player, high upside. I think with an elite program, she's going to only get better. Um, and then if you look at uh, Lara Hausegger there, she's look, she's probably the best character, um, which is always hard to measure. But in terms of her likability amongst everyone, there is, I don't think anyone could ever dislike her because she's just, she's always smiling and always laughing. I think you'll see that whenever you see any media or anything with her, she's, She's one of the friendliest people you'll come across. She won the flag, like she's the captain of Oakley and really had a good end to the season. She's someone who, um, you know, she loves to rebound. She takes it on. She um, backs herself in. She likes to weave around opponents and, and try and get the ball clear. But she's definitely a defender first, but she also does create some run. So I think she's someone who will compete for spots, um, but certainly has that ability to, um, play both off- offensive and defensive roles from the back half and, and natural leadership, as I said, and, and someone who will fit into any group. So definitely won't have a problem moving away from home as well, which is, again, another bonus and, and why she nominated nationally. Liam, you got any other questions for him? Uh, I, I don't because I've chatted to him a couple of times on Soaring to New Heights. Please, do, if people were interested, especially from a slightly more Hawthorne perspective, do go have a listen to those. I just want to I want to build off what Pete said about how to do it. The Swans as well, because looking at the Swans scoring again, because they ranked 13th for points conceded, 432. They actually ranked fifth for points four. So the Swans know how to put the ball through the goals. Um, so Hausager, I think, is a terrific pickup for them. She fits well. Very, from what I've seen of her and what Pete's written about her as well, go check out his work on Rookie May, obviously. Very versatile defender. So, yeah, Pete's nodding, so on the right kind of track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she'll slide up and down depending on who you take. She might take, you know, Probably if you play north, she probably takes a tall because they've got a lot of them. If you play a different team, she takes a smaller player. But I think I, I think she's as close to a perfect fit as any club took at any point after the round one. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I hear a lot of people, and I completely agree with this, I think her draft pick maybe potentially opens up Lucy McAvoy to be able to move around the field a little bit more, which I think could be fantastic to to open up some more talent 
onto the field. And, and I think I think Sarah Grundon is that per, is that perfect addition to maybe step into that Alicia Newman spot as well to to compete with Holly Cooper. So I think the Swans did really really well on this one. So I'm actually gonna I want to have a little bit of fun, Pete, because there there are a few characters that I'm very very interested to hear about a little bit more. Um, First off, Carlton's first pick at seven, Lilia Keck. I mean, this little goal, this little goal celebrator is just sounds like an absolute character on the field. Is she as good a goal kicker as she is a celebrator? Yeah. So uh, look, Lila Keck's someone who has always been around the mark. Um, she's been a pretty confident player in her own ability. She's someone who. Um, you know, loves to, as you said, kick goals and loves to celebrate them. Um, had a few ankle injuries this year, which was probably the the thing that set her back and didn't have the season she would have liked. But when she was on the park, she kind of steps up and can win a game off her own boot and um, kick quite a few goals. And I'm um, just really good at ground level. She loves weaving and, and, and taking the responsibility on as well. So she's not afraid to, um, you know, try and get around players and, and kick those impossible goals and, um, certainly when she does, she lets everyone know about it with those celebrations. So she's definitely a high energy player and someone who I think that will go very well for Carlton because they probably need that bit of a spark, really. Um, so I think that's something that will definitely be a big bonus for the Blues. And and I definitely think that she's someone who um, she might not impact straight away, but she's going to be someone over the next couple of years that as they get more time and develop her, she's going to be able to add a point of difference to that forward line. Mm-hmm. Bring people through the proverbial turnstiles and with a CBA that requires fans to show up or watch games if they actually want to get a something closer to resembling a competition that's treated properly. Um, don't get me going, don't get any of us going on that, I think, because <laughs> that'll get us all wound up. I've got the full CBA here. I'm, I'm not going to read it to you, it's 193 pages. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> she will bring people through the turnstiles, and from what I've seen of it, she is worth she is worth the price of admission alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just just from what I saw on draft night, I completely agree. Okay, I've got two more questions for you, Pete, and I, I want to have some fun. I want you to I want you to don a coach's hat for just a little this bit. We're gonna take the Western Bulldogs off just because of the fact that when you get one, four, six, and eleven, it's hard to say that. Who, if you take the doggies off off the opportunities, who do you think had the best overall draft when it comes to bringing in players that will make an impact as soon as possible? Yeah, so I mean that that that's that's the thing that you got to kind of look when you're looking at that kind of element. I, I think that well, I sort of spoke about North Melbourne before. I think their two picks in the second round are going to be able to add players straight in there. They'll walk straight in. Um, we we know that Hawthorne have been able to fill their needs, so I think that that's definitely something. You know, Williamson will will come in obviously, and and Butterworth if fit, I think at the worst will compete for it. I know Liam will know more about that, but I'd say she'll definitely push her case. Um, they'll, both, they'll both definitely get games, whether they're both round one. I don't know if both or either will be round one. Just looking at going through doing a best twenty one, I was like, mm, that actually filled out really quickly, and there's a few players I want to put in, so. I think they'll both definitely get games. Whether they both play 11 is another question, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and St Kilda, obviously, bringing in Simpson and Wiley, yeah. like um, they're two players that, let's be honest, will probably start round one. Um, certainly Simpson, you know, they've brought her in for that reason to play that inside mid. And I stand by the fact that I think Patrikios is at her best and Smith, to an extent, are at their best when they don't have to be the first possession winner and they can be that second possession winner. And I think the upgrade of Stimson to be that first possession winner over some of the players that they have delisted over the last couple of seasons is a big plus. So I think for them, if they can release Patrikios and Smith to be the ones that use the ball going forward, then that's just going to make them more dangerous. So even if bringing in a player um, doesn't necessarily look on paper like, oh, this is a, a an elite ready-made um, player, you think about the role that they could play and how they can make others better. So I think getting Simpson in there for St Kilda is one of those um, that'll pretty much be able to impact straight away. So I definitely think they're someone that can do that. And look, you look at Brisbane and Gold Coast, obviously Gold Coast more so. A lot of their players will probably slot straight in. McMullen's fantastic. Bish is going to compete at the very least. So, um, But yeah, you look at those and you'd say there's quite a lot from this group that will start early on, if not round one. Um, and then you look at like it's only going to get stronger from here so most players that get drafted will slowly come in up until the point that 
the clubs are all topped up with these players and then it's going to go back to what you, I guess, would traditionally see with the men's draft where, say, the, the new players will take time to adjust, where I think that we're in this sweet spot where the younger players are going to come in and be able to provide a role early. And I think next year will be the pinnacle of that. But certainly there'll be quite a few from this draft that come in and, and be able to play that role. All right. And then I think it's kind of a perfect transition there. I, I think I think we've talked this one a lot. So again, you know this, Pete, I love asking this question. Who are some names that we're looking at next year being near the top of the draft board? Because as Liam has kind of said, it sounds like next year could be an absolutely banner year for the draft. Yeah, I mean, the best way of putting it is where do you start? Um, and, like, the, the player, like, to be honest, the player I've always had my sights on, uh, just purely because of their athletic profile, has been Havana Harris out of Gold Coast. She's 180 centimetres and she's explosive. Like, she's as quick as any other player going around. And, I mean, that alone puts you off the mark. And there's some footage I saw of the under-17s Futures games where she actually closes the gap on Zippy Fish from WA, who's another player who... Um, tested the fastest at the combine earlier at the year. Um, so she's someone, Zippy will be one that will go try and push uh, Laura Stone in terms of her 20 metre at the end of the year. So that'll be interesting to see how she goes. She's absolutely explosive, skillful, incredible. She's a smaller player, but can play wing halfback. Won the best on ground at the Waffle W Grand Final. Mm-hmm. You've got Ash Centra, who's probably the, the pick out of Victoria at the moment. There's plenty of players in that group, uh, but Ash Centra is one that, like she's just incredible. Like her ability to pick up a ball at full speed, one-handed is just insane. Um, like especially for her size as well. She's a big. She's pretty big. Like she's about that one seventy-four, one seventy-five. So she's in that mid-range one seventy. So she's basically on that verge of key position. Um, her kicking is elite, and like I don't mind saying this because that's what the Vic Country people have said is that she's probably the best kick in their program, male or female. And she's definitely one of the best kicks I've ever seen, male or female. Like that is, you just look at some of her kicking and her decision-making and her vision, it is off the charts. Like there are so, like, it's just absolutely incredible. And I think we're going to see a lot of her highlights over the years. Um, It's hard to go past her. And to be honest, she's probably going to force her way into one. Um, Had it not been for Harris's just sheer athleticism, uh, and you've got India Rashid, of course, Roger's uh, daughter out of South Australia. She's another one I think deserves to be in that whole group at the top. Um, the other Victorian, Sarah Howley, explosive mid out of Geelong Falcons, Lou Painter, um, got injured this year with an ankle injury out of Bendigo Pioneers. Um, the, the, the names just kind of go on and on and on. Tara Harrington, of course, out of, uh, you know, up in Queensland as well. Um, the the group that is assembling here is just phenomenal. And I think no matter where you end up on the ladder, you're going to end up with a very, very good player. So I think we're going to see a lot less draft pick trading at the end of the year, unless it is trying to get up the board, because I don't, I think people are more, are going to be more um, inclined to hold on to their draft selections uh, for this draft coming up, because I know speaking to clubs, had they been able to trade future selections, most clubs, if not all clubs, would have tried to trade out of the current draft. Not saying that's not any good. It was had plenty of quality players, but trade into this draft because it is so strong. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a lot of that. And I, for one, am hoping it becomes a national. I, I think it'll probably be at the worst, clearly, similar to this. But if it becomes a national, then we've got a lot to be excited about because uh, there are many choices, many, many choices. You, you beat me. You beat me to it because that was the first question I was going to say. Is with with a super with the talent that's in there. Do you think we'll see a push, especially considering what was it seventy percent of the mm. of the young of the young ladies that nominated this year nominated national? So I, I again, we'll cross our fingers with with the new CBA that Liam has in his room and has read and has told me about. The, the, the exactly the possibility of a national draft next year would be absolutely fantastic especially with with this group coming up next year it would almost be perfect to be able to institute it but we'll have to see but gentlemen this has been fantastic again i love the the enthusiasm that you have liam for, for the women's game and pete again as per usual you just can't stump this guy he knows so much i love having him on to be able to chat the draft so Gentlemen, thank you so much again, Liam. Thank you so much for everything that you do. Again, your your spreadsheet was 
fantastic. Thank you again for sharing. It helped me kind of catch some things up that I was even a little bit iffy on. Oh, good. Uh, just quickly looking, I, I don't, unfortunately, I don't think it's really feasible until given there's caps on player hours in the CBA and frankly, player pay, <clears throat> it's very difficult. And while the season's as short as it is, 11 weeks this year, 12 weeks the year after, and 12 weeks through to 2027, unless we all show up enough, which get to games fans. And if you can't watch them live, um, they're just looking at the pay and all that. I don't think it's feasible to force players to relocate, even if they're supported, just looking at the, which is unfortunate because next year's draft is incredible. And what I said earlier about tanking, clubs may want to do it. I ne never would ever, I ever accuse a player or coach. Again, I, I reiterate that earlier. I'm just being super clear um, just because that's, well, I thought I should clarify. Mm, and cautious. Uh, no problem at all, Donnie. Happy to be here. I'll talk about AFLW with you all day, every day. Uh, sorry to New Heights if you want to hear all things Hawthorne AFLW and Box Hill VFLW. We're getting into the swing of that soon. So, yeah, but... I'm going to go read some more Rookie May Central soon. So, <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And again, Pete, again, thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, absolutely enjoy your product that you put out every year. Uh, thank you so much for it. Yeah, no worries, Johnny. Of course, always happy to chat the draft and looking forward to getting stuck into this one. Um, just enjoying a little bit of a break at the moment before you pretty much jump straight into the new year. So there isn't too much uh, crossover, but it's going to be an exciting time. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. That is going to do it for another episode of Donnie's Disposals. Thank you again for listening. More off-season supporter series chats coming up to get us to March before the men's season and some of the state leagues begin again. Keep an eye out for more footy coverage. That is going to do it for another episode of Donnie's Disposals. We'll be back again very, very soon.